Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, you fabulous designer types. This is Business of Design, episode 172. We have kind of a great episode for you today. I think so anyway. Something a little bit different. Una sorpresa. Because Emma Navajas, who is a Business of Design member, also happens to speak Spanish fluently. So she's going to do her episode where she suggests some great books you should read right now for your business. And I wholeheartedly agree with her list. And then she's going to do the entire thing again in Espanol at the end of this episode. So if you're one of our members from somewhere fabulous in Latin America, Central America, Mexico, Spain, this is for you. And I'm trying to learn Spanish. So it was really helpful for me too to have this conversation with Emma. Although, to be honest, I was too intimidated to actually interview her. My Spanish is too poor. Uh, But I did enjoy listening to her recommendation and review of some great books in Spanish. Don't despair if you're an English speaker like I am. We still have a great show for you. She's going to recommend, as I said, business books in four different categories, including Business Basic, and she's going to lead off with something that I talk about regularly, a book that changed my life called E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial Myth by Michael E. Gerber. And then she's going to recommend some books under the category of negotiation, some under the category, which might surprise you, of etiquette, but I found that kind of charming. And then the last category about mindset. And man, oh man, if there was ever a time to think about mindset, it is now. Emma didn't come to interior design in anything like a straight path. In fact, she was working on her PhD in, wait for it, epidemiology. Yeah. When she decided, nah, it wasn't for her. So she'll tell you about how that conversation went with her parents. She took a detour and then finally came to interior design. So it's not really a surprise she's recommended some books that appeal to her. She comes from a strong academic background. I, too, am an avid reader. And the distinction I think I've been able to glean from some of the amazing books I've read and the books that I've written is this. My books tend to be prescriptive. In other words, do this exact thing to get this exact result as opposed to overarching theoretical conversation. It's not that the other books don't have action steps. They do, but they're just not applied directly to our business. My books will never be on the New York Times bestseller list, and that's okay. They are meant for a very select audience interior design professionals, and those adjacent industries like landscaping design and architecture, where you need to run a project from start to finish in a methodical, systematic, efficient, and effective way. So as I said, we will listen to Emma's review of various books in English first, and then immediately following, she's going to repeat the whole thing in Espanol. Oh, and if you're listening in your car, if you're listening in the bathtub, because that's the only place you have privacy in your home right now, don't worry about writing the name of the books down. Go to businessofdesign.com. They will be there for you in the show notes. Let's check in with Cheryl Horn. 
Cheryl, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I have been thoroughly impressed with the questions we're getting asked during Business of Design's five-phase recovery program. The path that people are on is really exciting. It's become more, in my mind, about rebuilding, re-energizing, revitalizing the company you have versus recovery. So many Business of Design members feel confident they're going to ride out whatever is coming because they have systems and strategies in place which protect them, which mean they're not chasing money. They don't have cash flow issues. They don't have excessive debt. You know, these are the kinds of things that bury and cripple small business owners. So altogether, I'm really impressed with this community. Yeah, and we're still starting to get a lot of questions about how to do trade days and presentations and installs and stuff because it sounds like so many people are still working or clients that were temporarily on hold are already starting with, um, I think in some areas, construction is one of the things that is you know, with restrictions, obviously, but starting to open up. So we're getting a lot more questions about actually working on projects. Isn't that great? Wow. Well, what else is happening at Business of Design? Well, we've got a couple webinars coming up this week. So a lot of those questions we will be answering this Wednesday on group coaching. Of course, registration is still open until we get started. And then on Friday, May 29th, we've got Business of Design interior design packages. So we've had a lot of inquiries about that. A lot of designers going to be joining us for that. Um, it's sort of been one of those hot topics that came up both in boot camp and as part of our recovery program so far. So how about you tell everyone a little bit about uh, what we're going to be covering on Friday? Happy to. The last time I gave a lot of thought to packages, it was 2008. And of course, we were in the middle of this terrible business-altering recession, which hit our industry very hard. And it hit my own design firm very hard as well. And I just stumbled out of desperation, really, on this idea of a package because we had so many inquiries for consultations and then those potential customers were afraid to move forward with a full hourly fee contract. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if we offer them something like a 10-hour package that they would pay up front if that would in fact generate some revenue. And for that purpose, it worked really well. Of course, I know more now, and I would not offer that same kind of package again. On May 29th from 1 to 3 p.m., I will not only talk about how to build a package, what is the starting block, because, spoiler alert, it should not be fear, which was my starting block in 2008. I will also share the contract that I used for one of my packages, which is different than an hourly or flat fee contract. A package is a limited engagement, and as such, it can be sold at a premium, and it needs a contract that reflects the limited engagement. Packages are a really good way to entice a potential client who doesn't know you that well, and provided it's the right offering at the right price, it can be a building block to obtaining ideal clients. We'd love to have you join us. It's $295, May 29th, 1 to 3 p.m. EST, and there will be a recording for those people who live somewhere far away, and that's the middle of the night. Cheryl will make sure you get to watch the recording.
Uh, we did introduce this topic back in January at the Business of Design conference. So for those who attended, uh, you have received an email from me directly with um, a private link to register at a preferred rate. If you don't have that and you still want to join us, feel free to email me, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. I'm so glad you're here. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Emma, the question has to be asked. You were working on your PhD and then suddenly... Nah, you're not gonna. How did that conversation go? (laughs) Okay, so um, I first I did a bachelor's degree in public health. And while I was doing that degree, I fell in love with this field, which now all of us are very aware of called epidemiology. And (laughs) before nobody knew who (laughs) nobody knew who an epidemiologist was, but now we all know who they are. (laughs) Wow, we sure do. Um, after that, I applied and was admitted to um, the PhD in epidemiology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is like the number one or number two epidemiology program in the country. And so I went there and I was super excited. I was, you know, the youngest one in the program. I was admitted without a master's degree. So I was, I'd made it, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then um you know, a year into it, a year and a half into it, I'm like, um, this is not what I thought it was going to be. (laughs) Um, it was, you know, a PhD. Everyone knows it's a super focused deep dive into a topic, but what a lot of us don't know is that there's a lot of politics involved, a lot of, um, expectations involved that aren't very clear. And so that mixed with the fact that I had fallen out of love with the field led me to have this like crisis where I just knew I could not do this another day. So I quit. And (laughs) um, after I quit, I knew that I liked two things in this world. I loved pretty houses and I loved dogs. So I thought that the easier thing to do at first would be to become a dog trainer. I just have to interject here and say, I can't imagine what the conversation with your parents was like, like, okay, so about Chapel Hill and the whole like prestigious epidemiology PhD thing. I'm thinking about dog training now. What, like, I can't even imagine what your parents must have thought. Let me preface it. My father has a PhD and he's a professor at the University of California at Irvine. And my mother has a master's degree and is a kindergarten teacher. And so many people in my family have PhDs. (laughs) And to quit and then become a dog trainer was not status quo. Right. (laughs) So, um, but 
you know what? And yes, there was a lot of pushback, especially from my dad, but you know what? You live once and you have to do what you want to do. I just, I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So I explored. And so I tried the dog training thing for about two weeks. And I learned that I love my dog, but dealing with aggressive dogs and dogs that have problems, which are typically the ones that go to training was not for me. So I stopped that. And then I I can't sit still for long. If you know me, I can take like a one day break and then I I get angsty and I want to start working again. (laughs) So um, I, well, I want to be an interior designer and I don't know what that involves. I don't know what that is, but I know that that's what I want to do. So I looked into it. I took a bunch of courses for months and months and months, read lots of books, got, you know, the training. And then I started my own company and then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And so all these fabulous plans I had um, got put on hold, but that's okay. And um, here we are. And I'm like, I mean, I'm so much happier than I was um, in the PhD for sure. Ultimately, we are learning a lesson in this, but life is too short, right? So we do have to follow our passion. And I think you're really in a great position to launch your business and it can only go one way, right? It's only going to go up and up and up. I wanted to touch base about some of the the categories of books that you have read. And I'm going to start with the first category, which is business. And you name a book that changed my life, you know, 20 years ago, plus years ago when I read it. And that is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. So tell everybody what that book is and how it resonated for you. Okay, so um, when I started this journey of starting my own business, I had no idea what that meant. You know, my dad and parents had always said, you don't start a business, that's too risky. You go to school and you get a job and and that's what you do and then you retire. So when I started (laughs) learning about how to start a business, everybody kept talking about this book called The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber. And um, I finally bought it and I read it. And so basically the story, I mean, the book kind of has like a story behind it of him and he's helping this a woman who owns a pie shop. So that's a really nice backdrop to kind of check in. But the premise of the story is that um, there's like the entrepreneurial myth that everybody's an entrepreneur inside and all these things. But deep down, a lot of us are like technical workers. And so it's just like kind of like getting your technical side, like with your entrepreneur side with your managerial side all in one working for you and that comes down to making systems and like a repeatable process that leads to consistency and satisfied customers and saving time and saving money kind of like the franchise model without Mm -hmm. having to franchise your business to thousands and thousands of locations but so that's what I took from it so having organization having repeatable systems that you could hand to an employee that has no idea about interior design but execute it and execute it well that is what kind of sets you up to have a business without being totally burnt out and without having to be there all the time. Yes. And and that, you know, incredible gift of telling us all that we need to take time to work on our business, not just in the business, which we're all guilty of just doing that tactical work day in and day out, but taking a step back and figuring out what do I actually want this business to be and how am I going to power it, uh, for example, if I can't work one day? How is it going to keep going? Um, you listed two other yes. books in your uh, business category, both from Mike Michalowicz. And I just had Mike on the show. He's so much fun. I loved him. Uh, we talked about his latest book, which is Fix This Next. Um, but The Pumpkin yes. Plan was his second or third book. 
book and then Profit First. A lot of people really like Profit First. So how did you get introduced to Mike Michalowicz and his books? So I kept hearing, again, everyone talking about profit first, profit first. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Because I didn't even know what profit meant, you know, when I started <laughs> this whole thing. So, <laughs> so I, I bought it because I, I love, I, before I quit school, I only read school books and I actually hated reading. But then once I quit school, I found the love of reading again, you know, reading books that aren't just charts and graphs and numbers, <laughs> like reading books that have stories and that are actually helpful to life. So um, I bought it. And when I read it the first time, I was like, what does this mean? Like six, five accounts or seven accounts. Like I was very, right. very confused. But then I looked at it again. I looked at it again and it made a lot of sense. So the premise of this one is um, a lot of businesses, um, you know, they, they have their income and they do their operating expenses. They pay everybody. And at the end, there's nothing left and they're still struggling. So Mike uh, flips that. And he says, once you get your income, immediately allocate a certain percentage starting with like 1% eventually growing to be your profit. Like that it's taken care of. You don't touch it. You don't have to, you know, make up for it. And like that, you always have a profitable business, which leads to, you know, being able to have savings, being able to, you know, save for a rainy day if something happens or being able to treat yourself. So I read that one and that's how I've set everything up from the very start. So I can have a profitable business from day one. Good and for I know you. that a lot of people have. Good yeah. for you. I <laughs> See what I did. <laughs> well, what, it, what, it, yeah. what that so tells what, me is, um, what that tells me is you don't just read the book, you actually implement the ideas. And that I think is the biggest oh, yes. <laughs> detriment to getting ahead. People will listen to a lecture, go to a seminar, attend uh, a great workshop, and then go home and not implement. If you don't implement, you don't get it. And I, I really love this idea. It's simplicity itself, but the very next income you get, you take off the top a percentage and you put that away in a, in a bank account you call your profit bank account. And if at the end of the year you don't have any money left, then you don't have a business model that works. It couldn't be more clear. Right. You have to raise your rates. You have to fine tune your positioning, et cetera, et cetera. But it is a really yeah. great way to figure out whether or not you have a business or a hobby. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and yeah, what you were saying about people attend conferences, I know people who spend thousands of dollars on conferences and then nothing changes. Right. So, right. No. <laughs> and sad. we get, we get the most, I mean, just heart wrenching stories of people who pay 20 and $30,000 for a coach and they get nothing out of it. And, you know, I don't know if it's that the coach wasn't good or if they didn't implement or, you know, the reality is you just don't have to do that. We're talking about these tiny little books that are like $16 a piece and, and you, they're really valuable and you can get great information from them. So I love that you took time to list some of the books, um, some of the books yes. that you have found helpful and uh, I've found helpful as well. Another category you have in books that you love is negotiating skills. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So, um, you know, a lot of people just kind of start a business and they learn a lot about business and, but then they forget these, uh, 
business adjacent skills, which one of them being negotiation that can really propel you forward and put you in the best position to be successful. So negotiating and learning how to negotiate well without being, you know, super pushy or deceptive, I think is is a really uh, important skill to have, especially in design where you're dealing with trades and suppliers and clients and contractors and builders and all these different people. Yeah, you've got two books listed here. One is Never Split the Difference. Yes. A lot of people have been talking about that book recently. I haven't read that book. And the other one is Getting to Yes. What are your big takeaways after having read those books? What are you prepared to do when you meet a real client face-to-face? Right. So... Oh, Getting to Yes, that's a very famous book. It's been around for a long time, and that's from the Harvard Negotiation Project. And they're all about, instead of, you know, doing, I believe they call it positional bargaining, like taking a position and sticking to it and not giving in for whatsoever, and then everybody kind of loses. Um, They do like principled bargaining, I believe they call it, where um, it's just like, it's more nuanced. So you, you give and you take, um, you set everyone up for success. And you know the book, it has a lot of information in it. So I do suggest that everyone reads it. But from that one, you take away that you don't have to have this super hard line, typical negotiating position where it's this or the highway, you know, like there's no other way. So there's more nuance to it where everyone can win. There's different ways of thinking about it. They talk about like brainstorming groups where if you invite other ideas, you other people into your brainstorming, group you can get ideas that you never thought of and the spirit of collaboration so that one's a good way to think about negotiating differently and then the this new one that recently came out by Chris Voss never split the difference so he was a ex-FBI hostage negotiator and in the book he does talk a lot about um, his time in war and all these uh, experiences that he had but that one's really interesting and he gives some techniques as well of how to negotiate like mirroring and um, repeating the last three words that somebody said and those are more so getting to yes is more um you know this theoretical thing we're never split the difference he does give more actionable steps and basically what i took away from those two books is just every single thing that you do every day is a negotiation whether it's like what you eat for dinner with your husband to making huge financial decisions we negotiate with ourselves and with our families and with everybody so it's important to get good at it and you don't have to be a banker or a lawyer or a super high-powered individual to learn how to negotiate well So taking the time to learn these skills can really um, be effective in making our business healthier and ourselves stronger as business owners. I love it. And it ties in, I guess, uh, to your third category, which is etiquette, right? We want to, while we're negotiating, we want to behave with diplomacy. So I thought that was an interesting category to have in somebody who's like building a business. I don't need etiquette, I'm thinking, but maybe I do. Tell me about it. So um, as designers and as, you know, wonderful human beings, a lot of us are elegant and graceful and kind, but sometimes we forget the little things. So I would like to be a really well-rounded person. I don't just want to be wonderful at, you know, one part of my business. So I thought learning good etiquette, especially business etiquette, can be great. And and it can make a wonderful impression on clients and on suppliers and on everybody. So I thought, let me do a deep dive into this 800-page book called Emily Post Etiquette Manners for Today. And it has etiquette for everything. And it teaches you the little things like how to write an effective thank you card, what gifts to send if, you know, somebody has 
passed away or somebody is sick. Um, you know, how to network without being pushy or needy, how to have, a, how to entertain for clients, how to throw a party for clients. So um, I just think it's a wonderful skill to have. These are little things that we forget, or maybe we've never been taught because not all of us grew up, you know, going to cotillion and etiquette classes. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> and also poised for success by Jacqueline Whitmore. That one is specifically for business. And, you know, there's some stuff that's kind of self-explanatory, like dress nicely when you go meet a client, mm. um, you know, don't say cuss words when you go meet a client, <laughs> but other things are smaller. Like, um, something that I thought was really interesting, which I, I mean, is so obvious, but I never thought of was if you go meet a client or somebody important for lunch, go beforehand, take care of the bill beforehand like that. There's not that awkward exchange and they can just say, Oh, it's taken care of like, that's so small, but that, that, that is really nice, you that's know, lovely. and makes a good impression. Yeah, that's lovely. So I, these are the little things. Yeah, it's the little things that you were like, oh, well, that's obvious. But you know what? You wouldn't have thought of it if you went to go do it. So, <laughs> Right. No, I, I agree. It's funny, you know, like you read these books and you, you probably take away one or two kernels of ideas. And maybe the, the next person who reads the book takes away totally different kernels. I suspect revisiting right. them might lead to new insights as well. But um yeah, it's, I'm glad that you've narrowed it down to those books that you found to be helpful because I certainly have invested a lot of money in books that I thought had no original thought at all. It was just a riff on somebody Absolutely. else's idea and uh, seemed completely disingenuous. So I'm, I'm glad to know that these are ones that you will recommend. And the last category, this is really big right now, mindset. Everybody right now is feeling the effects of worldwide fear and uncertainty, right? And now more than ever, we need to steel ourselves for success in business to know that everything on the road ahead is friendly. You will have great clients. You will have great projects. But it's a really good time to work on mindset, isn't it? I completely agree. So, um I think it's actually been good for me because this time and this fear that's going along and, you know, the economic implications has actually forced me to really take a look at my thought processes and what they cause. And like, for example, um, I remember the first day that you had the business of design, like where you introduced this whole boot camp back in the day. I remember your attitude was so different than it was the weeks later. I could tell just like all of us, you know, there was anxiety. There was a little bit of fear. And I remember calling my dad and he was freaking out saying my investment account dropped by 50%. Like, <laughs> you know, nice. all these things that are scary. And I totally get that. Um, but you can't be like that for months and months. So I had to quickly adjust my mindset. And so coming from a, a consistent place of fear and scarcity and anxiety and negativity, although I totally understand why we would feel that way and I still have moments like that, it's just not helping us. It's not useful for us. You know, because if we come from that place, how are we gonna be creative? How are we gonna push forward? forward and persevere? How are we going to have the mental strength to deal with everything that's happening and what is going to happen? So adopting a positive mentality, a mentality of love and abundance and problem solving is just more useful and more helpful to us at this time. Right. And so it's a hard, 
it's a hard task. It takes daily effort. It's not, it doesn't feel natural. It feels much more natural to, you know, be afraid and crawl under your covers and cry. (laughs) Um, But we have to, as business owners, especially, we have to, you know, pull ourselves up and just try to focus on having as positive a mentality as we can. Well, it's interesting. I have no fear or anxiety about my interior design business at all. None, because it's not the first time I've been through a recession. And I know that I'm poised with my ideal clients, with repeat and referral business to be very successful in, you know, in the near future and going forward. However, that said, it's really weird not to be able to jump on a plane and go to visit friends and to know like, you know, my daughter's in Los Angeles and I'm in Toronto. If she needed me, in fact, she was in a car accident yesterday. I'm not there. I would have gotten on a plane and, you know, taken care of her. She's totally fine. hundred percent fine. She doesn't need me at all. (laughs) You know, she's, she's great, but it's just weird to know that I couldn't just solve that problem right now, get on a plane and go. So, well, and yeah. And my husband, my husband just graduated from college and his mother and grandma were going to come, but graduation got canceled and they can't get on an airplane. So, <laughs> so, and I know, so there's a lot of, yes, it's also sad, you know, and my parents were going to Spain to visit my 90 year old grandmother that mm. got canceled. Yep. So we're all feeling that, but you know, I was talking to my aunt and she says, but you'll get to go next year. Yeah. You know, yeah. it'll, it'll come. Yeah, exactly. So in the meantime, what a great opportunity for us to think about our mindset, to work on that confidence building practice, I guess, if, if you'll let me call it that. Um, and you've got two books here, How Rich People Think and 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. And not 178? I don't know. Like we couldn't come up with one more. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's such a weird number. <laughs> Tell us about okay. those books. Right. So Steve Seibold, um, he is a man who, when he was, I believe, you know, in his early 20s, he set out to interview and get to know the richest and not just rich. Okay. We're talking like he differentiates between being wealthy and having a lot of money, but then being world-class where you use it for good and you donate to charities and you're not greedy about it. You're not show off. Okay. So he interviewed all of these very successful people all around the world for many, many years. And he learned about their mentality and how they think and how they approach the world. And he wrote these two books. And the first one of how rich people think that is about how they view money. And it's actually very interesting. Um, for example, in the middle of a recession or a financial crisis, a lot of the, the majority of people get very scared, start hoarding their money, um, start shutting down like they don't know what to do. Um, whereas the, those, the world class, as he calls it, they try to find opportunity. They try to push forward. They try to stay positive because they know that if they succumb to all of that, that their business is just going to collapse. Mm-hmm. So it's just the way that people think about it. And then, for example, the next book, The 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class, he also, it's not so much just about money, it's about how they think about everything. So for example, a lot of people think in a, in a business, I have to be the only one. I have to be the, the, the owner and the sole employee because I want to take the credit or because I'm the only one that does it right. Whereas yeah. the world class thinks, no, 
collaboration and working with other um, intelligent or successful people is the secret to my success because they have ideas that I could have never thought of. They have perspectives that I could have never had. So things like that. And, and, you know, some of them, they're repet, some of them are repetitive. Some of them aren't, you know, genius revelations, but in general, it does put you in a mindset of abundance and creativity and problem solving that is really helpful at a time like this. Because right now, I mean, I, at the beginning of this, I could have thought, oh, I made a mistake. I should have stayed in school, you know, like that. I could have ridden out the storm while still being in school. And then I would have had a job, but you know, it, that's just not, not helpful. So these books have really helped propel my, my positive mindset forward into a place that hopefully, you know, leads to my success in the next few months, once things return to normal, hopefully. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that you will be successful. You are really poised to Thank be you. extremely successful. And I also love as an interior design professional that you've reached out to read these business books because any one of these business books would have been a superior learning for me when I went to design school in terms of running a business to what I actually got. So it's time, and I can see this shifting a little bit where interior design professionals are turning to real business authorities to learn how, you know, the secrets of running a successful business. Because at the end of the day, a business is a business. It really doesn't matter what you're selling. Exactly. Well, we like to end every episode with design intervention. And I will mention before you give us your design intervention that immediately following design intervention, Emma's also going to do a round of this conversation in Spanish. It's going to start as soon as Emma gives us her design intervention, which is what? What have you thought of for that? Oh, this is kind of a combination of a few things that I've read, but um, that I've learned, but I'll just read it now. So you can't be all things to all people. You can't fulfill everyone's needs and you can't be liked by everyone. You can really only be one thing to a small group of important people, like your best clients, your ideal clients, or your niche. So focus on creating the best possible service and experience for them, delivering on their needs, alleviating their unique pain points. And this will create a stellar service that perfectly serves a group of loyal, enthusiastic clients, which will in turn lead to a mature, prosperous, and successful business. Oh, so beautifully said. Yes, yes, yes. And the ones who don't follow, the ones who don't find you as part of their tribe, you release them to the spirit with love, you know, go out into the universe and have a wonderful time. We're just not meant to be in the same tribe, right? It doesn't have to be a rejection. Exactly. And it's just, you just can't be everything to everyone. Just like we don't like certain foods and we don't like certain restaurants and we don't like certain stores. It's okay. It doesn't mean we hate them. Other people like them, you know, so it's perfectly fine. Exactly. <laughs> Let them go. Exactly. Really well said. Emma, thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. I'm super happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. As promised, Bienvenida a Business of Design, episodio 172 con Emma Navajas. Emma es una fabulosa diseñador de interiores. Emma va a compartir sus pensamientos sobre libros de negocios que deberías leer ahora. That's it for my Spanish. Thanks, everyone. Emma, take it away. Buenos días. ¿Cómo estás? ¿Qué tal? Bien. You're all, uh, you're all going to hear my Spanish accent with my, with my lisp, so. <laughs> okay. 
So, hoy uh, vamos a hablar sobre unos libros que pueden ayudar a vosotros en, nuestros, en vuestros negocios. Y um, uh, primero vamos a hablar sobre libros que tienen que ver con um, su negocio. Y un momento, tengo que... Aquí vamos. Muy bien, so, unos libros para leer, para refinar la habilidad de tener un negocio son el E-Myth de Michael E. Gerber, el Pumpkin Plan de Mike Michalowicz y Profit First de Mike Michalowicz. Y esta, las habilidades de negocios pueden parecer una obviedad para algunos de nosotros, pero algunos de nosotros podemos necesitar una actualización o una revisión total de nuestras habilidades, prácticas y mentalidad empresarial Ciertos enfoques como comerciales, como atraer a un público muy amplio, desarrollar un montón de nuevas ofertas de servicios o adoptar muchas estrategias de marketing diferentes, pueden no ser tan efectivas como alguna vez pensamos. Ahora más que nunca es muy importante concentrarse en lo que realmente funciona, enfocarse en un nicho específico o un mercado objetivo clave, desarrollar sistemas y procedimientos que crean consistencia, confiabilidad y eficacia y reorganizar su sistema financiero para crear un negocio realmente lucrativo. Aunque algunos de nosotros hemos estado en el negocio durante décadas, nunca somos demasiado viejos ni tenemos tanta experiencia para dejar de aprender. Siempre hay cosas nuevas que aprender, nuevos enfoques que considerar y nuevas tácticas que probar. Y otra sección importante es la, las habilidades de negociación. La negociación es una gran parte de nuestra vida diaria, tanto si somos conscientes de ello como si no. Desde decidir qué cenar con su familia hasta tomar grandes decisiones financieras, negociamos con nosotros mismos, nuestras familias y otras personas de manera muy regular cada día. En los negocios, la negociación se vuelve aún más importante. Negociamos con clientes, proveedores, comercios, empleados y varios más, y nuestra negociación exitosa con estas entidades puede ser imprescindible para la salud y el éxito de nuestro negocio. Además, cuando surgen problemas que siempre ocurren, tener la habilidad, las habilidades de negociación adecuadas para resolver conflictos de una manera mutuamente beneficiosa es una forma de diferenciarse realmente del resto. Y perfeccionar nuestras habilidades de negociación para, para que sean efectivas, pero que todavía provengan de un lugar de integridad y amabilidad, es un aspecto muy importante de la creación de un negocio y una vida próspera. Y unos libros para leer, para refinar esta habilidad, incluyen Getting to Yes, de Roger Fisher y William Uri, y Never Split the Difference, de Chris Voss. Y la tercera um, sección importante es la etiqueta. Y la mayoría de los profesionales de diseño son personas maravillosas que pasan por la vida con gracia, elegancia y amabilidad. Pero sin embargo, a veces es fácil olvidar las cosas pequeñas, pero verdaderamente importantes, que pueden tener un gran impacto en nuestro negocio, como escribir una tarjeta de agradecimiento para los clientes, qué hacer cuando algo malo sucede en la vida de un cliente, cómo conectarse con otros sin parecer insistente o necesitado y cómo entretener a los clientes. Refinar nuestras habilidades de etiqueta comercial puede parecer superfluo, pero puede desempeñar un papel clave en la forma en que los demás nos perciben y las cosas que los clientes dicen de nosotros a los demás. Y unos libros para leer, uh, para refinar la etiqueta son Emily Post Etiquette, Manners for Today, de Lizzie Post y Daniel Post-Senning. Y otro libro es Poised for Success, de Jacqueline Whitmore. 
Y finalmente, una sección muy importante es nuestra mentalidad y cómo pensamos sobre um, el mundo y lo que está ocurriendo. Y ahora más que nunca es muy importante cultivar y mantener una mentalidad positiva. Yo sé lo difícil que es hacerlo en medio de una pandemia global que amenaza nuestras vidas, nuestros seres queridos, nuestro bienestar y nuestro negocio, pero tenemos dos opciones, adoptar una mentalidad positiva o no. Y el tiempo tiene que pasar de cualquier cualquier manera, entonces no es mejor tratar de venir de un lugar de amor, de abundancia y de resolución de problemas que no un lugar de miedo, escasez y negatividad. Es un trabajo duro que requiere un esfuerzo diario y es natural sucumbir a nuestras emociones humanas durante este tiempo, pero hacer el trabajo para desarrollar una mentalidad lo más positiva posible valdrá la pena ahora y en el futuro. Y un par de libros para leer, para refinar esta habilidad, incluyen How Rich People Think y ciento, oh, sorry, 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class y los dos libros son de Steve Seibold. Y wow. esos son los, los cuatro temas importantes para tener nuestra mente durante este tiempo duro y espero que ayuden a que su negocio sea prosperoso para todo el futuro. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that was so fun. Eso fue muy divertido. Gracias. Maybe in the future, we'll yeah. see. Or in English, by the way. You're, you're beautiful in both languages. Emma, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. Of course, yeah, I'm super happy. It was a very unique idea to do this in Spanish. So I appreciate you for, for suggesting it, and I'm glad that you would have me. Uh, always, always, always stay healthy, stay well. We're all rooting for Georgia to... Because uh, you guys have been first out of the gate in terms of reopening. We're all rooting for you guys to stay healthy and lead the way. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.